In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal Constitution here with the 339th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast? Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to title this episode The Bleak Outlook for the 2022 Atlanta Falcons. They reported for training camp today. Uh, most of the veterans were there. Uh, some had reported early, including linebacker Deion Jones. And I saw the quarterbacks in there early on the team's website throwing balls around. The rookies have been in there since the 19th. So now everything's ready for them to hit the football field on Wednesday morning. But before we get going here into our topics, we want to introduce AJC columnist Michael Cunningham and thank him for joining us here today. Hey, thanks for having me back on the Bull Tie Chronicles 339, baby. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Great, great times. Always good when we get together here on the Bull Tie Chronicles podcast with Mike Cunningham. You can read his columns in the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Hey, our number one topic is, hey, I just saw it. You know, USA Today is picking 2-15. and 15. I know we, we did our schedule thing. We, we had two and, and maybe six maybes. And then Vegas has uh, the Falcons at a 4.5 uh, over and under. Whew. Where, you see anything else out there, Cunningham, on the, on the bleak outlook for the Atlanta Falcons? Yeah, I haven't really seen anybody uh... – predicted they will be better than expected it's, it's all pretty much you know bad predictions including my own I, you know i don't want to be doom and gloom but i'm just i'm looking at the roster i'm looking at the circumstances and i'm looking at the schedule and i just i mean i don't see how they're going to win a lot of games yeah that is the situation we're in here and you know we know how we got there um you know you got a new regime the old regime failed they might have stayed with them too long uh poor drafting uh, bad contracts, and uh, here we are. Uh, but <laughs> other than that, it was great. <laughs> other than that, it was a good run. Yeah. But um, uh, some of the guys showed up today and spoke with the media. One of them, Cordarrelle Patterson. Let's hear from Mr. Patterson. He's one of the first players to pull up. He pulled up in one of those slingshot things. I woke up this morning happy, man. I, one of my kids was up. I woke my girl up, told her I'm leaving. You know, I come take videos of me. I mean, it's. It's just fun, man. Like, like I said, a little kid, man. I just, I just be happy as soon as I wake up, man. There was football right around the corner. Like I said, I'm thankful, you know, to, to be here, you know, with this organization, and you know, just get the ball rolling. Yeah, now Cordarrelle's coming off a career high in a bunch of different categories for him. Here, I did a little math today, so that's always a big thing for me. He had 205 touches. For 1,166 yards and 11 touchdowns when you combine his uh, rushing and receiving yards last year. Now, um, one thing, um, 
you know, we're going to get to that later. We're going to go to another sign about, but, um, two thousand two two hundred and five 205 touches, 1,166 yards, 11 touchdowns for the seven and 10 Falcons. Uh, he also said it was pretty easy to come back to Atlanta. He signed a two-year, $10.5 million deal. I thought he'd get more, uh, $5 million in a signing bonus, but it worked out for him. And here's what he's had to say about that. I mean, it's just the whole organization, man, they, it's just great. You know what? Coach Smith, you know what Terry got going on around here, man. And it's really like, they treated me like I was a kid, man. You know, just having fun all over again, you know. It's treating it like I was young, you know, in the backyard just playing football. And that's how they treat me the whole year. And I love it, man. You know, I'm, like I said, why not retire here in Atlanta, man? It's home, you know. I found myself all over again, and I love to be here. Yep, it's his 10th year. He said he passed his physical test. Uh, you know, they're different. He wouldn't tell us what the runs were. But, like, for instance, the Ravens, you had to do uh, uh, 25 yards and a certain amount of seconds. If you are a lineman, it's slower, you know, 35 seconds. You got to do nine, uh, 25 wind sprints back and forth. And, uh, you know, if you are a, a defensive back or running back, you got to go faster than the 35 seconds. Probably 27 is what I saw. So he passed his test. He hadn't been here. Uh, with the team in the offseason, got excused for the mandatory minicamp. He said he was banged up at the end of last year, and I think we could all see that. Uh, I didn't go back and look on the injury reports, but, um, you know, and he said he wants to be healthy from the beginning to end. Now, another stat last year that fell off for him was his kick returns because they needed him so much on the offense to build out the running game and the passing game that he didn't have a touchdown. And we know that, Patterson has eight career kickoff returns for a touchdown, the most in league history, along with Josh Cribbs, the great Cleveland Brown out of Kent State, and Leon Washington, who was here on uh, Coach Quinn's staff to help out during training camp during his tenure here. So Patterson, uh, he wants to get back there and return some more kicks this year. It got to be. I got a record to break, man. You know, I need one more before I can hang it up being back there, man. I get one more, I, I'll stop doing it. You stop, you'll stop returning kick. I'll stop returning kick if I get one more. All right, one more will give him the record. I mean, that's uh, them are some great returners. Uh, Cribs has showed up on, on uh, prelim Hall of Fame ballot. Uh, there's not a lot of special teamers that have got you know made their way to Canton, but Cribs has received some consideration. You got Billy White Shoes going through the senior committee right now. Uh, Devin Hester showed up last year. Uh, you know, only a few. Um, Ray Guy had a tough time getting in there, and few kickers. So it's tough uh, to go there with uh, the special teams guys. But Mike, you mentioned uh, you know your column at the eve of training camp. There is no bright side on eve for training camp for for uh, the Falcons. Uh, can you expound to um, the listeners here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast? Hopefully they read it, but, um, you know, can you give them a little bit of more on why you don't see any bright side uh, for the Atlanta Falcons? Yeah, and I mean, I do. I really try, honestly. <laughs> I like spring training for baseball. I like kind of the preseason for football and basketball. I like when everybody's, you know, optimistic and a few things break your way and it can go right. So I try that with the Falcons, and I just – I'm not seeing it. Um Last year, you know, I would say pretty much was above expectation season, maybe a little bit, maybe about at expectation season. 
you know, Matt Ryan was your quarterback. Now you have a guy who's not as good. Um, there's still not many playmakers. Uh, they don't have the kind of O-line that you can kind of just, you know, grind for yards and points. Um, the defense doesn't really have anybody to rush the passer still. These are, I mean, just some problems that we've been talking about for years for the Falcons. And um, the depth at a lot of positions just isn't there. I think the corners, they'll be all right. Uh, but, I mean, other than that, I just don't see how they're going to win, you know, more than four games, especially with that schedule that they have. Ooh, yeah, Mike. Well, thanks for that honest and um, insightful uh, look at the roster here. I know you try to like, okay, well, maybe if this goes right, okay, well, maybe if that goes right. And that's the exercise we do here early on in the season. And and when you can't say, okay, well, maybe Tyler Algier is going to run for 1,500 yards. Okay, that's a fifth-round draft pick. He's not running for 1,500 yards. He might get 500, <laughs> uh, you know, 200. I mean, you just don't – you know, the things that have to happen for the Falcons have to be kind of historic. So, um, you know, we don't want to be predicting history here. So, yeah, I mean, they have a uh... – you know, Pitts is a real, real talent. You know, at, at tight end, uh, they have a first-round pick who, you know, first, first-round receiver. You hope he could be maybe, maybe an average guy overall. That would be a good season for him, I think. But I mean, Corderell did have a good year last year, but like you said, he did wear down towards the end. Um, other than that, there's just not a lot to offer as far as playmakers. Uh, Mariota has been a you know, a solid quarter, NFL quarterback in the past, but that's been a while now, and he's here pretty much to try to kind of prove that he still can be a good starter. He's not a guy who's coming in to save you. I don't think anybody's really expecting that. So, uh, you know, that's just where the Falcons are at for all the reasons that you mentioned in the opening. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, Mike. Let's move on to topic number three before we get in a break here. A little breaking news uh, this evening. Former Falcon and Tennessee Titan Julio Jones is going to Tampa Bay. Uh, One-year contract, haven't seen the numbers yet. Uh, You know, Julio didn't play much in Tennessee last year. The hamstring was, uh, uh, you know, an issue here. Uh, You know, the last year, that would have been 2020 season. Um, And, you know, does he have anything left in the tank at 33? Uh, What do you think of this group here of – Tom Brady's targets, Mike, now if Julio can make it back or at least, you know, get on the field. Uh, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, Russell Gage, and Chris Godwin as his four wideouts and a uh, Leonard Fournette coming out of the backfield. What does that do for you? The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Oh, yeah, the Bucks now are a very deep and talented group of playmakers. We were talking about the Falcons don't have many. Well, the Bucks 
overflowing with them. And they also have a guy who's a pretty good quarterback. Um, and they just won the Super Bowl not long ago. So, I mean, picking up Julio, I haven't seen the numbers. I'm assuming it's probably, you know, not much more than minimum some incentives. I mean, that's that's a great pickup on their part. I guess Julio didn't find the market to his liking. So he decided to go somewhere where he can win. And he definitely will do that in Tampa Bay. Yeah, no doubt. I was surprised, Mike. I was, you know, heard a couple different things throughout this. Green Bay, the Colts, uh, Raiders perhaps. The Colts seem to make sense with Matt Ryan, and they don't have any good receiver, young receivers. They, you know, they're trying to get T.Y. Hilton uh, back, perhaps. But um, I, I, when the Colts doesn't sign him, uh, you know, uh, that kind of – Stephen Holder said that was a red flag to him at least, but he's up there on the scene. It's his 10th year covering the Colts. Just switched to ESPN from the Athletic, uh, former Indy Star uh, kid. But he um, he thought that was telling that they didn't sign Julio. But Tampa Bay is close to here. Um, they'll see the Falcons twice this year, and uh, we'll see if Julio Jones uh, is um, – Wants to put on a show when the Falcons play the Bucks this year. Right now, we're going to toss to the break. This is the Bowtie Chronicles from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. All right, uh, Mike, we're going to um, look at a couple of these major concerns here. We'll go offense first. Then we'll hear from uh, O.C. Dave Ragone, your former Louisville Cardinal, and my Cleveland homeboy. <laughs> and... Uh, We'll hear from the offensive line coach, Dwayne Leppert. Look at some defensive concerns, uh, announce some front office moves, and then wrap up with some of the key dates here for the listeners of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. You know, um, it was an easy story. I know we needed a story uh, Sunday to Monday, and I'm like, man, it's a lot of concerns across the board, um, you know, starting at quarterback. So <laughs> you got quarterback <laughs> issues. Um Marcus, I, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people just trying to get him in his best possible light. Uh, you know, the negatives, everybody heard those. Uh, you know, injury prone, not a fighter, is uh, going to quit. Uh, you know, just not a real tough hombre. Uh, you know, all that stuff. Now, you know, he's 28, so he's, you know, had time to grow up. So, so maybe... Uh, in his like his best possible life, maybe he can run the spread in the NFL. We're seeing a lot of teams develop, running RPOs and uh, doing the things that play his skill set. So you know, running quarterbacks issue, running backs issue, the offensive line uh, led the 31st uh, rushing attack and gave up 40 sacks. The wide receiver group, it's a lot of new wide receivers, a lot of big guys. They look good, but who's gonna get them the ball? The one thing. <laughs> You know about the Falcons is hey they got a tight end, so but he he's got to have some people to play with. If he's just out there by himself, he'll just be out there running around with five people chasing him. So, <laughs> you know those are the major concerns. Uh, offense, uh, Patterson, you know he didn't hold up when he moved to running back. I'm sorry. Uh, offensive line, you know they got to do something. You know they do have a high waiver wire position, so if some people get cut that. Or make them better. They're gonna have to sign them, and then uh, wide receiver. They got a that look. That group looks good on paper to me, uh, all the way down to Demir Bird and Auden Tate. So uh, you, they're gonna come up with some receivers, and of course they got a tight end. So, 
Have you seen a roster this depleted before, Mike? Um, I've got one, but I want to hear what yours is. <laughs> um, yeah, because there's been worse roster than this, right? I mean, if you got a roster with, you know, some competent NFL players, Cal Pitts is a competent NFL player, Chris Lindstrom, Jake Matthews, you know, there are some competent NFL players on here. There's just not enough of them, and there's not enough of top-end guys either. So, yes, I would say that I've seen worse roster than this that don't have so many, you know, competent NFL players on it. Well, I had to go way, way back. <laughs> I'm just talking about the I know you I got one. I know you got one. I covered the Dave Shula of my uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, uh, yeah. That was David Klingler, if anybody remembers him, out of the University of Houston. I <laughs> think they won. It's a bad roster, and you throw a clown show on top of it, right? <laughs> right, but they have, they were only a couple years removed from the, the Super Bowl. That's but true. it went downhill fast. It went downhill fast. And, uh, you know, just draft is showing you how if you don't draft good players, uh, and, you know, this is before you're really deep into free agency, uh, the free agency era, if you don't draft good young players, you can go downhill pretty quick. We, we did see the Bengals rise pretty quick last year, but uh, they had some help from uh, Ryan Tannehill with those three interceptions and so forth. But um, I got to go way back, and that's, you know, for our listeners here, that's uh, that's late, that's early 90s uh, Bengals lore where I saw a roster that was, you know, you knew going into the season that it was going to be a long season, a long push, had a young coach in his uh, – I believe it was his second. It might have been his first year. It had to be his first year. Um, and, you know, when you had them tear downs like you got to tear down here, it's a long climb back up. Uh, you can do it a little faster now, but uh, with the right free agency and some money and good drafting. But, uh, you know, this is looking like that type of down, down year. So, you know, earlier in the offseason, we did talk to offensive coordinator Dave Ragrone about the scheme and how much it will change with these new quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, to me, within the system, right, you hope you've built a system that has the ability to highlight different things depending on what the traits of the quarterback are. Mm-hmm. So, like I said before, if it's a 14-year quarterback or if it's a rookie quarterback, at the end of the day, like, you hope to have a system that allows you to say, okay, we're going to highlight these parts of the section more than others. Um, but there's no limitations or anything um, on the quarterbacks and what we're going to ask them to do. And, again, we're going to kind of grow with them mm-hmm. and evolve what we think makes the most sense, and we'll get the feedback from them. But more importantly, when you watch the film, you know, seeing where they're the most comfortable, and then obviously those are the things that we'll do. Yeah, no question. They're going to, you know, play to these guys' strengths. So uh, I don't know what that's going to look like all the way, but, you know, they're going to try to hide stuff from us in the exhibition season. But uh, at some point, they're going to have to line up and throw that ball around, and that's going to be interesting to see. And they got to run it. Uh, but then, you know, the offensive line coach, uh, Dwayne Ledford, uh, great reputation in his second year, former player in the league, uh, played with Dahlman's dad, I believe that's correct. Uh, but let's hear from Coach Dwayne Ledford, uh, who's filling me in on the new additions. How about Jermaine coming in, new guy? I'll talk about the new guys first. Yeah, we'll Jermaine's been been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he's when we got Jermaine in here, uh, 
some familiarity with a couple guys on our team, like with Jake Matthews, um, with both of them being from Texas A&M and playing together. But um, Jermaine, we were great. It was it's awesome getting Jermaine here and getting him in with the group. He's fitting great, uh, working really hard out there, and, and, and has looked really good this whole offseason as well. Now, obviously, all we're doing right now is just the OTAs, but I'm excited about getting some pads on him mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. see him going out there in training camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wilkinson coming over from Chicago. Yep, same same thing. Excited mm-hmm. about him as well. And I think uh, Wilkinson and uh, fit, uh, um, Jermaine, both of the guys that we brought in, they've looked really, really good throughout the whole offseason. Mm-hmm. And so both guys, you're excited about getting them in there with the group. They've done a great job. Of, of coming in, mm-hmm. uh, just meshing with the guys, the relationships and stuff like that, but just the way they're out coming out and working and understanding the way that, that, that we do things here. And they've done great, man. I've been very, very pleased with both of them. Are they tackles or guards? Because they played everywhere. <laughs> I always tell guys, man, you're an offensive lineman. Okay. And that way, like, because you know, that's, that's the true thing. I, I was even like that in college when I was talking to high school kids. It's like they would try to tell me, hey, I'm a left tackle. I was like, Get up to the NFL, you're only going to dress eight. Uh-huh. And I was like, so you better be able to play multiple positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're going to play both those guys in, in a, a lot of different positions mm-hmm. and in a role because the whole thing is what we're trying to do is, is uh, create competition and also what you're doing also is forming your depth chart. Mm-hmm. And so it's getting those guys in the right position, seeing what they can do for us, mm-hmm. and then putting them in the right places. Mm-hmm. And so and that's, that's going to be a process. Not only through the, the offs, like right now what we're going through, but really in training camp mm-hmm. as we start moving some pieces around and stuff like that mm-hmm. with it. Well, all right. That's uh, Coach Leffert. We're going to see uh, what pieces they're moving around. We'll be at practice for that. Uh, we'll go over some of the key dates as we um, move on here in the 339th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Now, let's look at some of the major concerns on defense. I mean, we're talking major. Uh, No pass rush. That's easy. Uh, You know, we've been talking about that uh, for years, it seems like. But um, Coach Smith pointed out to me that the interior pass rush is key because that will open up things for those outside guys. So the interior pass rush, uh, you know, they need Tyquan Graham or – Marlon Davidson to step forward opposite of Grady, and they're going to sit a big old fat guy in the middle, uh, add nose tackle, to hopefully uh, attract double teams. Rush did a good job last year. Uh, Vincent Taylor's on the roster. The one kid, Eddie Goldman, uh, decided to retire instead of come play for the Falcons. So uh, they'll keep looking for that nose tackle. And just think of New England uh, with Will Wolfert in the middle. Or the Ravens with Holy uh, Halati Naga, and before him Tony Saragusa, who you know passed this summer and rest his soul. Um, inside linebacker, so we got up front the pass rushers. We're gonna get to that, um, but I think the key is, you know, hey, can they stop the run? And you know that's gonna be Richie Grant and strong safety is gonna be big. And the inside run defense, um, Rashard Evans, Deion Jones, Mikhail Walker, they got to stop the run. You don't even get to the passing downs if you can't not stop the run. Mike, hey, this is a, I thought of you on this one. What's the over and under on the sacks? I'm giving you the three top uh, defensive ends, Agunda J, Carter, and Ubiquite, counting on the second rounder playing. 
How many sacks you think that that group will get for the Falcons? What's the over and under on that? What's those names again? Give me those names again. Ade Agundajay, 527 uh, snaps, okay. one sack, 33 tackles last year. Right. Lorenzo Carter, right. uh, Norcross High, four years with the Giants, one year hurt. Former Georgia Bulldog, 14.5 career sacks. And then uh, Arnold Ibikute, the second-round pick for Penn State, who had 9.5 sacks with the Nittany Lions last year, and he calls himself Dr. Pass Rush. For those combined, I'm going to put it at 10.5. Woo, 10.5. Over-under. Over-under, okay. All right, we're going to save that for you. And when they hit, hit, hit it or, you know, miss it, we'll have to bring that back up. <laughs> But, Lowe, you know, I know Lorenzo, uh, but we don't have to get into that here. Uh, good young man. You wish him the best uh, and so forth. Now, uh, just uh, we're going to – we're coming down the home stretch here. Uh, a couple off um, off front office moves today. Falcons made five moves in the scouting department. Uh, Sal Conte is a pro scout who left uh, – who was – um he got a pro scouting job. He was already here. I'm sorry. Rochelle Harvey, Rochelle Harvey, she's a player a personnel coordinator now. Uh, Donovan Ellison, football analyst. James McClintock, scouting assistant. And Hakeem Smith, scouting assistant. They were uh, uh, moved around in the, uh, in the personnel department. No one was fired or not resigned. Only departures were Reese Hicks, who took a job with the Bears, and Kahana Joe left on his own. Kahana, oh, oh, I think he went to Miami. But, yeah, we like to keep track of the pro scouts and so forth. It's a little hard. They used to give us a little bit more access there. But uh, and then you got to keep the flow chart, uh, who's going where, and the promotions and so forth. But those are some front office moves for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh Mike, before I wrap up with some key dates, any final thoughts here from you for our listeners at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast? I wish I could be a little bit more optimistic for for the fans. Um, You know, but there are, for a team like this, which you really hope the Falcons accomplish this year, obviously winning games is number one. But number two, you want them to develop a lot of those young guys that they have, a lot of those draft picks that they've had. You know, there's still opportunity for those guys to get better. And if, if at the end of the year they have a group, of young players who produce for them and who show a lot of potential, that'll have be a talent base for them to have moving forward when they are able to, you know, have enough salary cap to to sign some veterans. So, if you're a fan who's okay with kind of being along for that process, you know, this could be an interesting year. Maybe not fun, but we're all losing, but you know, it could still be an interesting year and a year that you know, in the future, you look back and say, hey, that was the start of something. So that's that's my optimistic pitch for this season, even though. You know, on paper, it looks bleak. We'll see what happens. All right. Yep, no doubt about it. I'm thinking along those lines, you know, Malone, I want to see if he can play, uh, if he can rush the passer. Uh, Bicute, uh, I'm not expecting a lot from Anderson, considering he's, you know, more of an athlete. Uh do want to see if Richie Guerin can play back there at strong safety. Uh, that's an easy position. You can, you, you, you know, you're getting beat. They're going to find you real quick, so – uh, we'll see and know real early on that one. Uh, and then if, you know, you got some 
uh, insurance back there with Eric Harris, just in case. But, yeah, A.J. Terrell's continued growth. Can he uh, continue his ascension to one of the top corners in the in the, in the the league? Can you get Isaiah Oliver back? You know, Grady Jarrett's been a great pro uh, thus far. Can he, you know, help them be a building block to turn this thing around? That's where he is now uh, and so forth. So, yeah, there are some things to – to, to consider with the Atlanta Falcons, but a lot of variables have to fall in place for him, and that's all we're saying here. We just don't want to uh, paint a rose-colored picture when that's not the case. But uh, if you do want to be along for development of some young talent, they may be a part of the franchise down the road. That's where we are here today, uh, headed into training camp and the first day of practice tomorrow. So that's what we have the first day. Uh, report day was the July 26th. The first practice open to the public is first is uh, July the 28th here in my calendar. We're right on the calendar. That's going to be Thursday. Uh, and then, you know, they got the website and stuff. You got to check what you can bring, can't bring, or can bring and can't bring, what you can, uh, you know, all the rules and, and, and so forth are there. Then the first exhibition game is August Friday, August the 12th at 6 p.m. at Detroit. That's going to be a good death battle of two 90-man rosters of teams that are trying to come up from the bottom. And then uh, 18th through 19th, they'll have joint practices with the Jets in New Jersey. And uh, then the game is Monday night on the 22nd, Monday night football. Uh, for the Falcons, and then joint practices on the 24th and 25th against the Jaguars and Flowery Branch. Those will be open. And uh, then it's a long break after that Jags game. Uh, you know, the season opener isn't until uh, August the, uh, excuse me, September the 11th. September the 11th uh, is your season opener versus the Saints at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They play the Jags on August the 27th at 3 p.m., but more importantly, the Howard Bison played the Alabama State Hornets at 7 p.m. at Georgia State that night. So, um, you know, my folks will be in town for that, tailgating over there and so forth, while we'll be at the stadium with the Jags and the Falcons doing battle. So with that, we're going to get on out of here. We're back live. We, um, you know, off-season's over. Uh, mini camps, there's no OTAs. There's going to be some pads on here in a second. We're going to get back to some real football here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. And we thank you all for listening. Take care and have a great rest of your week.